You are listening to Radio Ramadan 365 Podcasts. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful. Kalla innal insana layatagha. No, but indeed, man transgresses. Because he sees himself self-sufficient. Indeed, to your Lord is the return. Have you seen the one who forbids? A servant when he prays. Have you seen if he is upon guidance? Or enjoins righteousness? Have you seen if he denies and turns away? Does he not know that Allah sees? No, if he does not desist, we will surely drag him by the forelock. A lying, sinning forelock. Then let him call his associates. We will call the angels of hell. No, do not obey him, but prostrate and draw near to Allah. Sadaqallahu Rajim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. This is Judy Ramadan um, on FM frequency 87.7. Uh, we are also on our website rr365.co.uk forward slash listen live and inshallah on our Facebook live, Lady Ramadan's Facebook. Um, I'm your host Zubair Akram on 7th of April 23, 16th of Ramadan and Iftar in Glasgow is going to be at 8.13, 13 minutes past 8 and as always I have my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad with me. Assalamu alaikum Sheikh. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan. Ahlan wa sahlan. Marhaba alaikum. MashaAllah. So, Shaykh Surah Alak, um, and ayah number six onwards, uh, it, it is, it makes different sense every day. It makes a different meaning every day. Um, for some reason, I understand it better, of course, not for some reason, for known reasons, it, and makes it so much sense to me in, in Urdu. Har giz nahi, insaan sarkashi karta hai. Is bina par ke wo apne aap ko binayaz dekhta hai. Har giz nahi, insaan sarkashi. Kalla innal insana layatga. Halanke palatna yakinan tere rabhi ki taraf hai. Tumne dekha us shaks ko we'll go on to that now this ayah I was thinking it goes straight straight to the discussion we had yesterday right at the end of the program um, it's not just your financial uh, self-sufficiency, your emotional self-sufficiency, and when people think they are sufficiently accomplished in knowledge when they're not, and then the mistakes they make and how they mislead not just people, not just small groups, but entire communities and how it makes a negative impact on our own community and how we are interacting with other communities. Will that will this ayah map that situation as well? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <coughs> so <clears throat> this um, ayah, set of ayahs, straight after. Remember, the, the the first set of ayahs are have a very interesting function. There's lots of functions for the first 
you know, um, you know, three or four, you know, to five first five verses. There's lots of function. There's function of, um, you know, undermining the underlining. Sorry, the the attributes of Allah, the names of Allah, the the underlining of the whole process of preserving and um, propagating ilm, knowledge, the whole um, sanctity of the revelation itself, the whole idea of tadarruj we talked about, which is the whole issue of the Prophet being the final Prophet. Therefore, by the divine wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he was commanded to be given this over you know, over two decades, more than two decades, 23 years, you know, there's also the idea of the utility of knowledge, which is it's 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 um, compounded, which means that you can build, you know, when we say this phrase, building on the shoulders of giants, the reason we can do that is because we can, we can have a cumulative gathering of everything that people have had before and we build upon that. So nothing gets lost. It doesn't matter who did it, doesn't matter why they did it, something that somebody did in the past can now be a game changer for people today. And this is in science and technology, research and development is well known. Somebody does research on something that's irrelevant to, to most people. Somebody picks it up and finds it and uses it somewhere completely different. And it's a game changer. Well known in, in, in science and technology because it's, it's thinking outside the box. It's <clears throat> going out of your echo chamber, for example. You know, you know, thing I was talking about yesterday is people have echo chambers where everybody says the same thing and nobody disagrees. That leads to the complete de demolition of knowledge, ilm, because it's echo, it's dhan. And this is what Allah says, anfus. All these people do, and the majority of people, is that they 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 fall into the trap of 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 using conjecture and hearsay and probability. And can you know things that are not definitive, and, and what Ghazali talked about yesterday in his al-iqtisad in his book on creed, um, something that is definitive, hundred percent. We know it to be factual, established beyond any doubt. Um, so people are in their echo chambers. People are, uh, uh, um, live without checking their blind spots. Remember yesterday we talked about Sayyidina Umar radiAllahu anhu and Abu Musa al-Ashari. Abu Musa al-Ashri was there with him <coughs> to tell him about his blind spots. So in public office, it's very important that you have advisors that tell you about your blind spots. And if you don't, then your blind spots become bigger and bigger. Hmm. And that's one of the ways of Tuski. I said that if one, of the, if one of the ways Imam Ghazali says that you can rectify the soul is to have somebody who checks out your blind spots. Who hmm. basically, you know, in, in rally driving, there's a person driving the car and there's somebody get navigating so if, they, if you don't have the person saying right, left, right, coming up in 40 meters, the car will crash right away. That's like your nafs. If you want to have a good metaphor that came to mind, there is that. I don't know why it came. But a rally driver, you, your nafs is like a horse, which is untamed. And unless you tame it, it will kill you. The nafs is the same thing. You have to... Taming requires a murshid, uh, someone who is... I don't want to go into, the, go into too deep. And um, okay, I, I <laughs> impose um, privilege on, upon people, but essentially that's how cumulative knowledge works. Like, do you not think that if you talk about um, any technology that we, we use now, it, it's two point zero, three point zero? You know, hmm. any um, computer with its the chip, the chip base for its um, word, its um, data processing. Do you not think that's built upon something prior to it? The knowledge. Yeah and research so do you not think that if you spoke to somebody who had been through a phase of being very arrogant and they they tamed that in some way do you not think that'd be helpful for you do you not think if, if you're going to if you're going to rectify look if you're going to in public policy if you want to rectify criminals it's very good it's, it's a lot of research on this that you you get them to speak to reformed criminals okay if you want if you want to reform Young like in in Glasgow, there's all these young guys, gangsters. Yeah. Um, the best way to deal with that is not to 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 do something physical to them, which came to my mind, but I'm not going to mention what it is. Is to get them to meet people that were there 20 years ago, and who have seen the 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 the, the error of that way. 
and that, that gets naturally corrected because they, yeah, because then the, the wisdom of a person who had that fault, who never is fi fixed, it, is like a murshid. Like I'm talking about a gangster from the nineties from our <clears throat> from our Haiti, um, in, in in the shields who's now rectified themselves speaks to a, one of these guys that's dealing drugs on the on the street corner, um, and gets to know him, and then he at some point it will click that this is not a good path for numerous reasons. So this is blind spots. This is a murshid. A murshid is that person who 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 was fallen, and rectified themselves. So a murshid was never a person that was a saint, born a saint, meaning, in fact, very rarely. But usually people that had some frailty, even if we didn't know about it, even if we don't know about it in their life story. Like, you, you'll hear about great scholars like like um, Ibrahim ibn Adham, for example, or Bishr al-Hafi, you know, Bishr al-Hafi famous for um, picking up. If I remember correctly, he picked up a piece of piece of writing which had the name of Allah on it and put perfume on it and put it in a high place while he was drunk. Mm. And and because of that, Allah granted him such honor that Bishr al-Hafi is like Bishr al-Hafi. You don't have to say much. But the thing is, we know about that fall, that he must have been drinking. Okay? Mm. But then he rectified. But the, the great people of our past, some of them we don't know about. No one mentions anything like that about them. You don't know the internal struggles they had. Mm. The internal issues of arrogance, or they might have had issues of deceit or conceit or something never no one knows about it didn't tell him but 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 they they figured out that that was the case like Ghazali for example his early life is well known to be from a very pious family had a very excellent upbringing had a very good um sense of perception but right at the point of his pinnacle he was afflicted with intense um insincerity and arrogance like right at the mm -hmm. pinnacle of his career, but when in, he left, uh, and he, he went into yeah, and he, uh, when he was you know the the, the rector of um, the Dars Nil, the Nilamia, um, when he was ha having that tenure, it was at that point that perfect life of piety, obedience, scholarship, all the thing came to afford because he was doing it for the wrong reasons, and then he while he was speaking, he started to stutter and he ended up not being able to complete his ideas. He was not able to recite. Hmm. So it's like when we say "Iqra bismi khalaq," the Prophet is being told in that if you recite for your own benefit, or you speak for your own benefit, or you read for your own benefit, or you or you do anything for your own benefit, you will not get anywhere. The Prophet is being told to recite in the name of your Lord. It's like Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah. <clears throat> it was as if he was in a situation where he knows he has to teach. Yeah, you know, there's a basic command of 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 the Prophet to you know the best of you is those that teach the Quran, that you know teach the religious sciences, and that means that you have to do it, but then do it with the name of your Lord. It's like you have to follow the Sunnah of Allah, which is you do it for the right reasons. The name of your Lord meaning intention, and so when that tension disappears, is at that point you have a crisis. And Imam Ghazali had that crisis, and he. Ends up having to rectify by basically dismantling himself, like basically dismantling himself. So these verses, which are verse um, verse five after we six, kalla, it's focused on this idea that these are people that are doing things based upon the the notion that they have everything, that they don't need anything. This pride, this arrogance, this ostentation, this sense of um, you know self sufficiency. Which is one of the selves, one of the things that was marked within the life of Firaun, for example. But Shaykh, this is kind of almost a statement <clears> made <throat> that surely man transgresses, so it's bound to happen. It will mm. always happen that a man mm. will transgress, right? So it's, it's a given, and then because we know it's a given, we need to be aware and we need to do something about it. Yeah, it's a given. Yeah, in the insana, because it's it's um, you know it, there's amum in the, in the verse because. Al al the al insan is like for istighraq al jins in 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 balagha. It's like encompasses every single human being. Mm. That issue of tuqyan is the propensity of every single human being. Doesn't mean it happens to everyone. It's built 
It's inbuilt, it, right? It's inbuilt. It's like the Prophet said that al-ajalatu, um, you know, this idea of haste and 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 wanting everything is like <clears throat> he said it's 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 like inbuilt within the clay of Adam salatu wasalam. So these are things that are inbuilt. These are kind of nature nurture thing. This is a kind of nature sense which is inbuilt within us. A test is you know everything we have is a test, but that's specific. This issue of tuqiyan is just to you know is to overstep, is to be, um, you know it's like we had talked about yesterday. Tuqiyan is like this is a tsunami of um, urges that lead you to oppression. And this is what Fir'aun did. <clears throat> Tugyan, Tugyan also has this inherent um, problem of being at unrest within himself because it's in, in a constant flux. Um, yes. Flux. The person is also <clears throat> with himself. Mm. When he commits Tugyan, he is not at peace. Yeah, so this is yeah, it's a good point because it's like this this um swelling of of discontent with the person themselves is is because in because the tagha Dorian is we always think about it as affecting other people. Idhab, you know, when Prophet Musa is told is told Idhab ila fir'auna innahu tagha. Yeah, go to Musa is told, go to Fir'aun because indeed he has taken the step of being taghi. And the Tughiyan of Fir'aun, this injustice that he is committing, is he basically stems from this simple thing, I am your most I am your most highest of lords. You know, and what's Allah saying in Surah Iqra? Iqra bismi rabbika. So there's the idea of a Rabb, there's only one Rabb. And the Tughiyan of Fir'aun was the, the, the ultimate manifestation of Tughiyan. But everybody in their own place, their own level, <laughs> You know, in their own small place is is also Dari is also in the state of um, you know kind of oppression of other people of themselves hmm. because uh, it's an inbuilt state of every human being. That and then the whole purpose is the rectifying and the rectification is through what's at the beginning, which is Iqra, which is to read and to not to um, educate yourself and to bring etiquette into your own life. And this is on the on the back of Revelation on the back of knowledge, on the back of um, I- 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 um, insights that are given by people of who've, who've started to sort out this problem of Tughiyan in themselves. Hmm. So, istighna in this, because it says, you know, that Fir'aun was o- overstepped the mark. Allah says here, Kalla yatgha, because he sees himself self sufficient. So, the Tughiyan here. <clears throat> is actually explained. You can say Tughiyan is different things, but here it's to do with this idea that they will live forever, they'll be unrestricted, they will have everything they want without any need externally. Whereas ilm is not that type. No one can 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 survive without the knowledge of pre- previous people. If you find yourself in the middle of a forest and it's getting cold and you need to heat yourself up, you will know, I know everybody will know, that there's some there's, there is a way of... Of lighting a fire, hmm. even if you don't know what it is, you're thinking somebody in the past in human history made a fire which allowed them to stay alive by heating themselves, allowed them to cook something to eat, for example. And so you're reliant upon that um, previous, you know, experience of a person. But to think you're self-sufficient, it is from. And this is actually very fascinating. If you look at the verse, Arra'ahu stagna, he. Thinks Ra'i. Ra'a is from this idea of, you know, in, in, in the history of fiqh, they have this idea of Ahlul Ra'i. You know, mm. Ahlul Ra'i is as juxtaposed to Ahlul Hadith. Ahlul Hadith mm. were people that um, took the letter, almost like the letter of the Hadith and applied it and, and said, well, this is where we get our knowledge from. Whereas mm. Ahlul Ra'i said that the Hadith and the Quran, we have to understand them and then look for an answer based on that. Hmm. Which is absolutely correct. Imam Malik was a, was a proponent of Ra'i. Um, even though Shafi'i said he wasn't, he was, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting thing. But in this context, it's this idea of my opinion. My, we're the highway. So mm-hmm. the elevation of my opinion and what's going to be, um, what's going to come into combat with this? Ilm. Mm-hmm. Because 
Ra'i is essentially zan, it's essentially conjecture, it's essentially an, a, 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 your own disposition based upon your limited experience of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sheikh, we, we spoke about takfir yesterday, mm. right? And we spoke about, I just want to understand, without this kind of like this event that has gone on in the last few weeks, couple of weeks, <clears throat> what's the need that scholars have felt that they must get to a point where they have to do takfir? I'm sorry? <laughs> what is it that has caused scholars to feel responsible that they, they at some point will have to do takfir. Oh, what's the, what's the reason why they have to? Because the thing is, the Prophet Ali came with a teaching, and certain things within them are um, thabit. They're established and they're known, and they're and they're and they're not. Um, there there's things that cannot be changed because this is what essentially the Prophet came to give. Hmm. So the things that he came to give are the shahada. And you know, which is made up of two things, which is a belief in Allah and the Messenger and everything they brought is true. The things that we know that the Prophet said ex- exactly and specifically and clearly, if you deny that or reject it, it has an effect on the overall message. So mm. these qat'iyat, which are definitive elements of our religious faith, are of so such importance that if you undermine them, you essentially undermine the whole fabric of a building. <laughs> which means that the whole building's purpose, its wisdom, its functionality is affected, which is why who, scholars have... Whose responsibility it is then to pick up this piece and say and make make it make a point of it that now this person has left the fold of Islam? Or this yes, so the, so, the, the, so the thing is, over Islamic history, scholars have you know studied and debated amongst themselves to see what are those definitives. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? So, with it, if you don't want me to go into a, you know a discussion here, which can go way above your head, we'll keep no. it simple. Like, you know, the Hitch of Qadiyanis, for example, a simple yeah. one. Like, if these, you know, at what point does something they state go out of the fold of Islam? So yeah. that, obviously, the finality of the Prophet Ali Wasallam is something that that Sunni Islam considers to be qat'i, a definitive absolute. In our religious faith, established clearly by the Prophet himself, so de- denying what he said, the Prophet said, is to deny essentially his ability to convey to you the final message. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, whatever you're part of, it's not Islam, and you're free to leave. I mean, this is the whole thing: is there's not some kind of stricture upon a person remaining within this faith if they understand the the function of this religion and where it came from, how it establish its veracity and its, its utility for humanity, I think proven throughout human history, mm. then you'll understand that people would want to remain within Islam and they would accept that there's certain tawabit. No, but you, you said you're free to, you, you free to leave, but is it the case? Because irtidad, murtad and its you know, implications, it's not as simple. No, no, but the thing, the thing about that is, that is that discussion is a is a the pre-modern issue of Ridda was is very clearly related to um, identity and and um, and um, you know affiliation to a, 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 a sort of political entity in the past, well known. Like you know, the, the idea of religion itself is a very modern construct. It comes at the end of the nineteenth century through as a result of colonialism, mapping it of different peoples. And when you map out different peoples and cultures and colors and ethnicities, you have to start to talk about what are their beliefs, what are their um, you know systems of government and, and belief systems. And then they came up with the idea of religion, separate from political um, suffrage, separate from political authority, whereas traditional societies never drew, drew that distinction at all. So if you were part of the, if you were part of Islam at the time of the Prophet you were part of the, the citizenship in our in our parlance of Madinat al-Nawara. So people talk about the constitution of Madinat al-Nawara. It wasn't a constitution, it was an agreement for a, a specific sets of belief which made you part of religion. And if you left it, remember, if you left it, you were leaving the, that political allegiance. And it was almost as if you're siding with an enemy. It was understood. And 
we know this because sometimes scholars have discussions about the fact that even at that time they have discussions of the fact that if a person left and there wasn't a clear um you know you know kind of threat to public order or a strengthening of an enemy's um position then you know that was the person's own consciousness it's very famous in the hanafi school that's that's basically the logic that imam saraqsi for example makes so that's a, that's um that's something that you know if you're this you're free to leave meaning if you understand islam is in its entirety there's nothing there's nothing holding you back like but the thing is the thawabit interest enough are very very limited in a certain sense because i was you know i'm teaching a course on aqidah and one of the things that we're talking about now is takfir in the discussion of takfir there's the same scholar will say a certain statement is kufar in one book on say for example law fiqh and in a book that he's written on aqidah he will say that same thing is not kufar because mm. even depending on the context you have a different understanding of what kufar is like because fiqh is related to implementation it's related to public order it's related to blocking the means to harm on society generally whereas aqidah creed is about talking about abstract things in a different in a different way so this is why when you know ibn hazm for example he's got a very famous book kitab al-ijma' you know which is all about things of consensus you know i, I went through that very quickly with my teachers when I, towards the end of my studies i was going through lots of books very quickly by just reading them because we you didn't need much commentary if you've studied. So I went through Ibn Hazm's book with one of my teachers, and and he the one thing he did say is like be careful about exact the exact wording of what Ibn Hazm is saying. Like something to, to you which will seem exactly the same thing. If you word it slightly differently, that will not be a point of ijma. Hmm. Like yesterday, if you've if you if you listen to what I'm saying very, very clearly, I, I said this issue of um, if a person says that it's, it's it's not a sin for a Muslim to permit um, for a Muslim to commit homosexuality homosexual act with another you know with another male obviously um, if, if you say that that is not a sin that is kufr that statement has to be exactly as it is because mm. if you add into that some other kind of concoction then mm. it affects the thing that we've had consensus over we've not had consensus over for perhaps so this is the thing about knowledge is you have to build the case up for what are these definitive issues mm, okay mm. and then everything other than that is one it's conjectural it's possible yeah it might not it might be something that we strongly disagree with or it might be something that's heresy it might be something that takes a person out of the normative understanding of Islam, normative practice of Islam, for example. So we have ideas like fisk, which is irreligiosity, or, you know, we have tabdi'ah, which is to be a person of heresy, for example. We have all these terms that encroach upon kufr, so a person being outside the fold of Islam. Mm. That's all because we have a knowledge, knowledge civilization. Mm. Mm. And if you want to replace it, Allah then you... And then, yeah, exactly. And so, if you want to replace it, you replace it with this: Ara'ahustagna. He thinks. You know, I think, I feel, I want that this mm. person is not a Muslim, or this person is a hypocrite, or this idea is not a good idea. I think X, Y, and Z. I don't. You know, at a certain point, you know, in our in our it's religious tradition, about, yeah, it's not about what I think. It, 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 at a certain point, it's. Is definitive it's defined and there's a process yeah it's like so many things that are part of our religious structure like there's terms and legal maxims that we use in courts of law you know something that's definitive is not removed except by something that's definitive hmm. that something that's, that's definite is not removed by something that is doubtful you know there's so many understandings that are inbuilt within our religious tradition, all coming from where? From the Quran. Hmm. It was when Allah condemns the polytheists, He said about their worship of idols, all they're doing is following conjecture. They think that this, if you worship it in a specific way, will help you in some way. Is, is this made up? Pocus pocus. Like, why don't you slightly change the idol 
is it going to work? It's all dhan. And so when Allah says, they think that they're self-sufficient. There's two problems there. One is they're, anything they're doing is based upon their own limited understanding of, of knowledge. And then the, the th- second thing is that the concept is istighna, that we don't need anything. You need food. If you're fasting, mm-hmm. keep fasting. And I was watching some of my son. He's, he, he likes this. Um, he watches this um, YouTube. So I watched it then, watch some things with him. He's called the frustrated gamer. If you want to watch it, it's quite funny. Anyway, the, he was he was he. I think he fasted for I don't know how many days without was it without water, without food or something. And and, and I was saying like he's going to have to at some point break it, and he had to break it. Like he couldn't hit a challenge, like a, a challenge to stay like ten days without food or something. And and um, actually, this morning when I woke up, my son was because I said we need to go Jumaa, and and so um, and I, and I said, do you think? This YouTuber is going to Jum'ah and he says, yeah. And I said, he said, I said, why? He's because he says a Muslim. And, and I said, are you sure? And he says, yes, he is. But we don't, we never, we, we didn't see him not being a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And my son's seven. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know yeah. where he got that from. I don't know where he got that from, but. Um, well, the default, default, yeah, default, default. So this is an American, um, I think he's like American, white American YouTuber just makes like videos of. Him doing challenges, so it was funny that you know he yeah. he looks for an excuse for his his fellow human <laughs> to be what he thinks is the best for him instead of yeah, other. Yeah, he says look, he looks like a good guy. Yeah, because he did say and that he, he says like, he gives. And he charity. never said he's not. Like he helps people, so I thought, yeah, good. That's good. Good start. Inshallah. <laughs> uh, an an break. Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, after the break, Inshallah, I'm going to pick up on this concept that uh, it is only the 19th century that religion is defined the way we we know it to be the religiosity and how people uh, have found religion as a point of division. Assalamu alaikum. This is Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. <clears throat> Uh, program reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Um, just before the break, Sheikh, we you you commented that it is only 19th century where religion, as we know it, was defined, and people were kind of classified in this pigeonhole, if you like, or or, or this box. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. I don't get that. Because yeah, um, well, that's academics. I mean, you want to know that that's true. If you Google it, you'll find that out. <clears throat> it's a, it's a <clears throat> sorry, it's it's a, it, the whole idea of compartmentalizing things, you know, especially in sociology and anthropology is is in terms of religion, um, separating it from politics, power, um, ideas of philosoph- philosophical ideas. There was never really a, a, a separation. So if you wanted to do philosophy, thinking, um, you wanted to talk about a. Uh, a just life, you wanted to talk about political theory, you wanted to talk about how to create an ideal state. The input of that would essentially be religious, what we now understand to be religious in nature, but it was it was intertwined. But you know when you start to study when you when you when the colonial powers came into different countries and different nations, because they're in control of it, now what do they do? If you know you'll know this in, in the subcontinent, they'll and I remember I was at university when I was doing Arabic um, studies, and I think still ninth floor in Glasgow University. I was just fascinated with all these documents, all these books from the late 19th century, early 20th century on languages that you've never heard of, religious traditions that you've never heard of. Like you go to the Sikh section, there's books published 150 years ago about the Sikh religion by Reverend such and such, um, about the this the Sanskrit um, language. And it's and the orthography and the and the manuscripts and all these studies by who Western people, not by the people of the lands themselves. Mm. So people went; they went to convert people to Christianity. That didn't go really well, but also they went to help them. They had to study everything about these people. Like you'll speak to nowadays, um, you know, evangelical Christians or or missionaries. They go and they learn the language, learn the customs of the people. And that's for the simple reason that they want to inbuild, you know, ingrain themselves in the culture so that they can then use that in some way to convert people. Mm-hmm. Remember when I was in Yemen, I felt quite ill. Mm-hmm. And and this is actually quite, you know, 
I'll say it, I didn't trust the doctors in Sana'a where I was ill. So somebody said there's a there's a there's um there's a doctor outside in one of the small villages who's a Christian, and they've got a clinic and they've got a, a very good setup. So I went there because the the medical um, diagnosis and it was all based upon helping people and then using that to then obviously push something. But they've been there for twenty years, so it wasn't uh, you know overt. It wasn't like an overt you know yeah. Christian missionary center or whatever. So this all is part and parcel of studying colonialized nations. I don't know why we're talking about this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to, it, it comes with this concept that uh, there are scholars who have advocated the fact that our, um, okay, Iqbal says, khas hai tarkib mein qawme rasool-e hashmi. You know, khas hai tarkib mein qawme rasool-e hashmi. Yeah, there's some uniqueness to the the the, the, the community of the Prophet Yes. Yeah. yeah, and um, you know, he, he, I'm forgetting the first misra of this, where he refutes that is we we are not because na Turani hai na Irani hai na Afghani hai khas hai So he refutes that you are because of your ethnicity, not yes. because you're not because of geography. You are because of you are from the Kome Rasul Hashimi. Yeah, so this so, is like this. So this is like making my he's made my point, khalas. <laughs> because okay. the whole point is he's saying your 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 entity, your most essential entity is your religious identity. The moment that you do that, your Iranian, your Persian, your your Arabic entity is secondary to this entity which is belonging to this entity which is Al Hashimi, Al Muhammadi, this kind of Muhammadian Hashemite prophetic lineage or belonging, and so the thing I was saying, yeah, if you if you keep going on this idea of of um, you know colonial powers, they had to study and see what they were dealing with, to rule and to enact laws and to be able to divide and rule. Remember, divide and rule is all about you know to know whether you know if you look at the Kurdish issue. I mean, Turkey, the whole Kurdish issue is actually the pivotal issue in the Kurdish election and Turkish elections because if you look at the maps of Iran, Iraq, Syria and Turkey hmm. it's built so that an, an, a natural nation, ethnic nation is carved you know so that it is not part of anyone and it's split and so do you not think when they drew the maps they had people ethnicists who came in and then decided okay the best thing is, is cut this so this will remain an open wound amongst these four, four or five nations that's what they did mm-hmm. and they couldn't have done that unless they had this deep study of tribal culture there linguistic culture ethnicity religious belonging meaning you know ethical belonging like Sunni Shia and so on and so forth and how that affects the ethnic split and so at that point, they said, "Okay, these are these are religious divisions. Okay, let's map them out. So these are people who have different belief systems, and now they call them religions. But in the past, those nations, if you went to them, they would say this is the way of life. Like every single the Confucius, the Hindu, the Muslim, everybody would say it's our 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 this is a way of life, this path. So they would call it a path, hmm. and they wouldn't call it. And we in, in Islam we call it Deen. Deen is like a transaction." Deen. Deen. deen transaction you know islam is a deen islam is a name which means to sub, to submit okay and for is islam and then deen is from the root which is to have a transaction in other words what we're doing is having a transaction with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is what it is if you want to call it a religion that's you using modern terminology what islam is is a transaction is is deen deen not way of life Deen is no, no from the linguistic perspective, it's, um, it's transaction. transaction. Ah, so it's the same as lane den. So in Urdu, lane den. So it's yes, um, yes, of course. Trans- oh, okay, okay. So transaction. So yeah, deen is, trans- is, is a variant. Of- so it's a question of what this word a deen, which is Islam, becomes very fascinating because it's it's like it's like numerous hadith mentioned that that the um, that the the contract between the slave and Allah is that if the slave obeys Allah, Allah will not punish them. Like that's a basic level. 
but is is deeper in terms of if you if you approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by by a, a hand span Allah will come to you rushing hmm. so that's also a, de- a, 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 a you know a, a kind of contract that Allah is a promise hmm. so if you do this this will this is what will happen and so you know it's also related to the fact that on the day of judgment you will come and, and everything's weighed so the whole weighing thing is goes to, if you go to a market today's friday so in turkey you have friday markets they have all these scales you give you you, you weigh everything and and the day of judgment everything's weighed it's a dane it's like this is a dean this is a transaction and so yes, this is how it was in the past because it's a radio program and it's, it's recorded and people are listening and just in case people think i've committed blasphemy with uh, Iqbal's poetry. The, the actual verse is Yehi Maksude Fitrathe Yehi Ramze Musalmani Akhuwat ki Jahangiri Muhabbat ki Farawani Butane Rango Khunku Tordakar Millet Megumhoja Na Turani Rahebaki Na Irani Na Afghani Butane Rango Khunku Tordakar Millet Megumhoja Na Turani Rahebaki Na Irani Na Afghani so yeah, I mix the two. Khas hai tarkib mein kaun hai? is a different poem. Uh-huh, okay, okay. So millet, he mentions millet. Like, millet, millet is like millet abikum Ibrahim. Like the yeah. Quran mentions. So butane well. rangu khunko, butane rangu khunko toorkar millet mein gum ho ja. Yeah. You know, immer, how would you translate it? Yeah. The, uh, the false aspirations of, of yeah, yeah, the break the idols of color and blood and become lost yes. in the community. Let neither Turanis, Iranians, or Afghans exist. Yes. So uh, it's the same concept. So it's um, so you you defined by your faith, not your ethnicity. Yes. So the, this thing, the reason why this is important even today. I mean, I said the whole idea of mapping out languages, ethnicities, ethical belief systems was so that they could use this to essentially categorize people. Because the British Empire famously was very famous at uh, civil service was very famous at categorizing and being very efficient in that. You'll know this, even in 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 the subcontinent, even religious study scholars who went to, for example, Lucknow or went to the um, the um, the Das Nizami um, system in in what's it called Frangi Mahal, for example, the the system of education there was perfectly suited to going into the civil service under the the the, um, the British so they could everything could be mapped out but this is in the past now what happened what happens is religion is used as a word to undermine organize what we now know as religion like Islam or Christianity but for example saying that religions are inherently violent so the reason why we should not have a religious and this is at the at the core of a lot of discussion we had in the couple of last couple of days about even like about takfir and things and attacks on Islam, is that the, one of the ways of saying the religion is not relevant and should be discussed in the public um, space is because they say, well, we don't want religion because look, how, look at all the the bloodshed that religion causes. Hmm. It's one of the biggest arguments against religion, the, this mantra of religious violence. So basically, the reason why we don't do religion is because if you bring religion into politics or your public life, what happens is it becomes divisive. That's absolutely wrong. All the studies that we know about wars, for example, the most obvious thing is if you want to look about division, think about wars. Think about killing people. Okay. And if you look at the research, just off the top of my head, I think 6% of wars in human history, this is based on at least three stu- major studies on this. But 6% of wars in human history were, were on the basis of religious conviction or about religious iconography the rest, which is 94% of, of wars in human history, were not about religious, what we understand now to be religious issues. Mm. About 3% of people killed in wars in human history, or just slightly, yeah, it's roughly about 3%, were killed in wars which are ostensibly religious wars. Mm. All the rest were about power, wealth, whatever it was, it wasn't about religion. So what that means that religion came... And the whole basis of religious belief is actually the core of every religious tradition is, you know, the golden rule, which is love for your brother, what you love for yourself. You know, it's, it's the words of the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasallam. But um, in in Judaism and Christianity, it's expressed in, in in different ways, such as 
um, the golden rule in Christianity would be do to others as you would want as you would want to be done by same thing so this is religion comes with it comes with this, this universal idea hmm. universal um, sense of um, dignity of human beings and this is why you know when you're talking about who decides about takfir and um, yeah. why is it so important this is why it's so important because once you have a strong religious basis and tenet and, 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 and theology then that is what preserves sane society pre preserves life it has a set of values which you cannot argue with because once you start taking things away you take away things that help preserve life help preserve st stability help pre preserve what we call the kulliyat al-khams which is protecting of religion of lineage of uh, intellect of wealth of of honor these are basically at the core and imam um yeah, Imam um, Ash-Shatibi says that these are at the core of not just Islam, but all every other religion, Sunan. Is that not true, Sunan? You can't hear what I'm, yeah, you can hear what I'm saying, but I'm going to... Is that true? What? That these are the basis of life. Yeah. There's the five things. Five yeah, the things. five things. And this is not just amongst... Imam Ash-Shatibi says not just in the, in, in, in the Islamic community, but every community. And But he says the Islamic faith has absolute knowledge of these in other words we preserved them and served these issues and, and wrote about them and fleshed out all the details in a way that other religious traditions didn't do until Islam and I mentioned this a couple of days ago inspired them to do so the Christian tradition the Jewish tradition Maimonides and Aquinas at the core of these people and so this is it all comes from this idea that you have to base your whatever you do based on knowledge and certainty and the opposite of that coin is So that is the opposite of the coin Because it's almost saying Allah is saying If you do not do Iqra That whole first five thing five, First five verses You will end up being on the other side The flip side of the coin Which is no revelation No inspiration No sense of um, higher purpose No sense of epistemological truth Of what is right and what is wrong what will you do? A ra'i. A ra'i mm. is your own opinion. My opinion is different from your opinion. I what feel. What you consider, yeah, what you, and we're living the age of feeling, to be honest. Mm. You know, I don't feel I want to do this, and if I feel this is offensive, then it's offensive, and you have, you're living in the age of microaggression, you're living in the age of um, having trigger warnings. We're living in this age, which is such a strange age, because even in research, you know this, you know, you, you know what a trigger warning is, don't you? A trigger warning is... If you give a talk about something sensitive, you should tell people in advance that this is going to yep. shock you. Yeah. Do you know the yep. research done on this? Stanford and Harvard have done research on this. This is just before COVID and just during COVID as well. That They did research on this idea where they basically tested people uh, and gave them trigger warnings before something like this. We're going to talk about, for example, um, gratuitous violence, for example, or domestic abuse, for example, or uh, mental illness, for example. And they gave people a very clear warning at the beginning that they're going to talk about this. Mm. And in another set of uh, controlled um, individuals, they didn't give any warning. And the stress levels after each were, were marked and studies were done on the, the, the qualitative effects of that on, on the individuals that were there. And guess what happened? The people the had no warning. trigger warning. The trigger warnings made them so anxious that they felt they had to be even more anxious. Mm. Mm. And so, you know, like people say, well, did you give, did you put out a trigger warning? Yeah. Well, the trigger warning creates anxiety. And it, and even if, you know, it's like this thing that, you know, if, you, if somebody watches a really scary movie and they say, there's such a scary movie, don't watch it, blah, blah, blah. And then, not that I've done that, but I'm just thinking that's the kind of conversation I hear. If you go and it's not scary, you feel you need to be scared. Yeah. You know, so it, it plays on other people's perceptions of what you need to be. Surah Alak, 96 Surah, Reflections with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Um, we've covered, I, I think the most important thing that I've, I've taken from this is the concept of Tadaruj, mm -hmm. uh, graduation. Uh, how powerful this concept is to build life, to build success, whatever, however you define, however you define success, Tadaruj mm -hmm. is in, in, in its core. 
and then because it comes uh, in daraja, isn't it? Daraja is like um, levels, and um, you know, darajat is like steps and things. So yeah, it's absolutely true. Yeah, and then the, the, speaking of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to His beloved Prophet sallallahu Iqra, and read, and he's reading Allah and what he's reading, he will keep reading for for twenty three years. Hmm. And then he will read and he will teach. He will read and he will teach. Um, and then the, the, the next part of the surah starts with the sixth ayah, Kalla insana Surely man transgresses. And Sheikh, how different every ayah means at a different stage of your life, events. And what we covered yesterday, how someone has committed wrong to issue a takfir fatwa uh, and then we um, checked that uh, responsibly checked it with authority with correct theology uh, behind it and argued the case that how it is important to have takfir but how important it is to have it correctly you know it's important to have takfir as a as a as a, as a function people need to know that there are certain things that cannot be said and that needs to be conveyed to the people that make a statement that could be construed as that. This is very important. People don't understand that that's also the, that's also part of it. But you don't have to make a video about that if yeah. you can get that message to the person, for example. So that's very, yes. very clear to do. Yeah. Um, and so you look at each situation in terms of the, the, the fallout of each instance. This is what fiqh is based upon. It's what Sufyan ibn Uri. You know, yesterday, what the thing I didn't mention is that you know, people can 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 have knowledge and and be pious, but they can be mistaken. Like Imam Ahmad was mistaken in his idea that a person who leaves the prayer is a kafir, until he spoke with his teacher Imam Shafi'i, and Imam Shafi'i started to ask him a couple of questions, and Imam Ahmad said, "Well, he's the person a kafir because um, he's not praying." And the Prophet said, "You know, the, the difference between us and 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 the, and the disbelievers is the prayer." And then Imam Shafi'i says, "So what took him out of it?" He said, "Oh, he left the prayer." And he says, okay, how are you going to bring him back in? As he, and Imam Ahmed said, he think to, thought a bit and he said, oh, I'll tell him to do the shahada. Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. And Imam Shafi'i said to him, he never denied it. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. He said, ma dam yaquluhu. He said, ma dam yaquluhu. He said, he's never stopped saying it. So Imam Ahmed thought a bit and he was quiet. Mm. Now that rational Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, makes perfect sense to everybody to say the hadith says this he's out of islam he has to become muslim how do you become muslim you say ashhadu an la ilaha illallah okay hmm. imam Ahmed, imam shafi say he never stopped saying that hmm. and imam ahmed was silent that's why imam ahmed actually used to say that if i ever had opportunity to go to two lessons and i and i couldn't go to both which is the lesson of Imam Sufyan ibn Uyayna, the great Hadith scholar, Imam Shafi'i. He said, I would never miss the lesson of Shafi'i because if I miss the lesson of a Shafi'i and miss what he said, I will never get it from any other place in terms of explanation. But if I miss the lesson of a Sufyan, a Sufyan ibn Uyayna, one Hadith, I can get that Hadith somewhere else. But I cannot get the explanation of the Hadith except from the logic. Shafi'i. The, logic. the, the rationale, the thinking rational. behind it. And so this is what Imam, Shafi, Imam Shafi'i, he spent 20 years in the Badia. He spent 20 years with tribes like Bani Hudayl, just strengthening his Arabic, knowing the nuances of language, knowing that intentionality makes a big difference. The way you say something and the intention and how that is affected by the time and place makes a difference. Imam Shafi'i, when he went, when he was in Mecca al Mukarram, he has certain um, statements he made that he then changed when he went to he went to the Badia when he went to Baghdad, he changed them. When he went to Egypt, when he passed away, rahimahullah, he changed them. In other words, he saw that every single context within which you move has a different reality. And you grow in your knowledge. And that's, you know, the Tadarruj thing, Imam Shafi is a perfect example of that. He studied with Imam Malik, rahimahullah, in Mecca, Medina, Minawara, the city of the Prophet, he studied with Imam Hassan al-Shaybani and Abu Yusuf in, in, in Baghdad. And then when he got to um, Cairo, Fustat, more specifically, he then started to think, okay, what have I learned through this process of Tadarruj? Which mm-hmm. is, I've been in a, st- a process of growth. And what mm-hmm. he then did was to set down what he thought was that in his Kitab al-Risala, which is like his, 
you know, his masterwork on usul al-fiqh, because it's all about principles. It's not about individuals, it's not about uh, individual fatawa. He's got Kitab al-Um and he's got other works. I think I mentioned that yesterday, but what he has is a methodology. So even Tadarruj, which is a specific instances of how to evolve, how to learn, how to experience things, and then all the individual experiences he had, like a travel log. At the end of it, he thought, I'm not going to write the travel log, but I'm also going to write the principles. This is the big rules that I've learned about. Mm-hmm. What's general, what's specific, what's abrogated, what is you know, the strength of a, a solitary hadith, and so on and so forth. He had his own opinions on it. Imam Malik had his own opinions. Um, but the thing is, they had systems. They had the cumulative knowledge. They had the sense of there's certain things that are ilm. And if you know their lives, like Imam Imam Malik rahimahullah, certain hadith he would ban in the city of Medina Nawra because the the fallout, like the hadith of you know, you know, if a if a person attacks, you know, if you know, unfortunately, if this ever happened, a believer attacked another believer. The Prophet said, "La ala wajhi, fa inna Allah khalaqa Adam ala suratihi." Do not strike him ever on the face. Because God created Adam in his form. Imam Malik, this is in Bukhari, this is in, in another Sahih collection. The Imam Malik forbade the narration of this hadith while he was in Medina Nawara. And the simple reason was he wasn't denying it's true. He said the fitna of relating it would be greater than the benefit of relating it. Hmm. So it was a judgment. Yeah, it was like, you would say it was, it's Sahih. The Prophet did say it. We know he said it. He said, you cannot say this in the city because. The fallout of misunderstanding it, which is people thinking that God has a physical form, does not mm. justify just narrating it. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Because I'm not thinking in fiqh. This whole thing. <clears throat> so surely man transgresses and people who are not mindful, uh, they fall in this category that mm. surely man transgresses for the believer for he believes himself to be self-sufficient uh, final two to three minutes Sheikh, and I want to wind up wind this up with this concluding ayah uh, I've been meaning to ask inna ila rabbika ruja'a. surely to your Lord is your return well, this, is, this is tough this is like you know when you you explain something and you get a letter like you know, imagine you've done, you've got a fine, fine or something, and then you get a letter, you get a letter, but then the the, the the actual, you know, somebody comes to the door and knocks. Like there's there's real world real world consequences to your idea that you're mustaghni, that you're self sufficient, because everything you do when you do you rack up the you know like a debt, you 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 get more debt and more debt and more debt. At some point, you're gonna have to face paying that debt. Hmm. So. The more you feel you're self-sufficient and the arrogance builds and this idea that you don't require Allah and you do not require any support from anybody else, even that you're completely self-sufficient from anybody, you don't need anybody, at a certain point that will come back to haunt you. And in the biggest sense, this idea of ujub, this idea of arrogance, this idea of, of self-sufficiency, which leads to, remember, it leads to this idea of godhood. Hmm. Because this is what Fir'aun, إِنَّهُ taga. He says, I'm your highest Lord. That Tughyan that he did, slowly because unchecked. You know, the Daruj is different ways as well. The Daruj goes the other way, which is bad, which is you get one step of, of insincerity to oppression, to, to downright um, rebellion against Allah and his message. It gets to the point that you think you're God yourself. You're, you challenge Allah. You challenge yeah, the Creator. You can do whatever you want, whenever yeah. you want. Just remember Allah is saying, Indeed, it is to your Lord that the return is. It is not not to anything else. Like the one that is you're contesting with, like the one that you're at war with, you're gonna come back to him. And it's like the all the, the shouting you can do and all the arrogance you could do when you're allowed to do it because nobody's there to check you. It's like you know, like you know, um, was it McCon- Conor McGregor used to mock Khabib, you know, MME. Um, mixed martial artist and he, he swore at him his family made fun of the, the Dagestani people and you know mocked him and you know gave you know tried to pour whiskey on him you know and what happened all that because you think you're Mustaghni you, you think you can get away with the shouting mm. because you can just you rant okay you think get away with it 
And then what does Khabib say? <laughs> Famously, I'm going to smash your man. <laughs> and what happened is, gone to the octagon and he smashed the man. And, and, and at a certain point, that smacks, that smacks you in the chin. You understand? And the, and the, the reality is that's the way that Allah will deal with people. That there will be a certain point that you can just be given free reign and at a certain point, inna ila rabbika ruj'a. At a certain point, it is to your Lord that you'll come back. Don't worry. You'll have to. Yeah. We yeah. will smash you. you know, Subhanallah. If you, so whatever we do, whatever we do. Very powerful verse we, at the end of that. Yes. We we have to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he is the one who's going to deal with us. Ah, at that note, end of reflections for today. Inshallah, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, both Sheikh Rizwan and I, uh, uh, we seek your du'as. Until then, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Alaikum salam wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.